We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Today is May 21st, and we've started to have some real movement uh, forward towards the NBA returning. The Timberwolves, we're recording this on the 21st, and the Timberwolves are back um, practicing at the, the facility. More basketball to come. Um, but I still think we're looking at like three weeks of training camp before probably starting, or three weeks until we start some sort of training camp around. Um, June 8th. So in the meantime, on this pod, we're going to keep rolling along with some NBA draft prospect film reviews. Will DeBerg, who's um, been doing these pods with me, is here today. Will coaches locally at um, locally here in Minnesota at the University of St. Thomas. And we decided to focus on Minnesota dudes for this uh, for this podcast. Daniel Oturu from the University of Minnesota and Creighton Durham Hall um, for high school. And then Zeke Naji from the University of Arizona. And my alma mater, Hopkins High School, Will, uh, I don't know, I, I think a place to start with these guys is they're just, uh, they're not like the other dudes we've looked at who were looking like lottery sort of prospects. That, I think, kind of frames the way we think about Daniel Oturu and Zeke Naj, or the way we frame them is by where we think they're going to be drafted, because that very much impacts, I think, their value. So, so where... Where are you at with where you think they're going to be drafted as kind of a starting point? Well, for me, it's hard because if you look at mock drafts, if you can pull up four or five different mock drafts, and <laughs> one's going to have them like late lottery, the other's going to have them like mid-second round. Mm-hmm. So really, as I was watching these guys, it's like it's hard because, you, you know, you see them on both ends of the spectrum. So for me, I don't know. They're both really good. They both had really, really good seasons. Um, and it's just going to be – nothing would surprise me. Right. I think it's just so. So I watched Daniel Oturu first, and and I just started kept thinking about Onyeka Okongwu, who 
who we've talked about before and who's got so much buzz in this, you know, in this class is probably a guy who's going in the top five. And, and when you and I talked about uh, Akangu, I was kind of, it was kind of hard on him being like, well, you know, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing defensively. He's, you know, really active around the basket offensively. But we're talking about a top five pick here, which is going to be a guy, you know, making seven, eight million dollars a year right away uh, at the center position. And it, for me, it kind of deflated. It deflated what I thought of a Congo. And, you know, when I do eventually do some sort of big board, he's not going to be in the top five for me. He'll probably be closer to like 10 uh, because of that. And, and then I'm watching Daniel Oturu, and I'm like, this is just very similar to me. I, I think Okongwu is definitely better, but when you, when you talk about, like, the archetype of the player, you know, I think Oturu maybe has a little bit less polish than him and, and looks like – and a lesser athlete too, but he has a jump shot that Okongwu doesn't. And it was just – it just really – framed it for me where I'm like, okay, so, so Kevin O'Connor, you're going to tell me that Daniel Oturu is the 44th best player in college basketball, but Onyeka Kangu is five? No way. No way. I, I, don't, I don't see how, how there's that big of a discrepancy. And I guess if that is what the rest of the league sees it as, if they're seeing Daniel Oturu or Zeke, who I think is a little bit different, but to focus on Oturu first, if they're looking at them as second round picks, I mean, I think you're talking about a great value, right? A great value. Yeah, and I think it goes back to – I forget at what pod we made this point, but taking a big as the top five pick, unless they're going to be like Embiid or Cat, yep. it's probably not worth it Yeah, as far as what you're going to pay down the – their rookie contract and what you're going to pay down the road for them. Um, so, yeah, when you're talking about the difference between a guy like Akangu and a guy like Daniel Oturu, like the, the difference doesn't make up the difference in where they're going to be drafted. Yes. Um, if, I think that's what you're getting at. That, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, I think Akang was better. Like, I would. He, and, wh- sure. and what would you, if you, had to, if you had to pinpoint why he's better, like from a basketball standpoint, where. So, so I'm looking at all three of these guys, where you throw Zeke into as rim, rim rolling centers. Yep. And, uh, and rim defenders on the other side of the floor. I think Akang Wu has the easiest path to. I could totally see him right away being offensively a guy who's setting screens, rolling, catching lobs, and wreaking havoc kind of in the dunker spot. Like, I think he'll be able to do that, and I think he'll be good uh, defensively. I don't think Oturu or particularly Zeke are as good of an athlete in that sort of way to be able to be a real real rim roller. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't see much difference anywhere else, and I think Oturu's – clearly a better shooter than a Kangwu. So, so I, I guess I would say to answer your question would be athletic profile. And, and then Okong- how much of it do you think is the age? It's only a one year difference, but Okongwu just finished his freshman year and Oturu just finished his sophomore year. Do you think that plays into it? But I don't think, did you think Oturu was polished? Oturu looked like the youngest out of the three to me. He looked like the least. Yeah, maybe. Well, I guess it depends how you define polished. Because he's okay. the best shooter out of them, and I think his shot looks the best okay, out of okay. the three of them. But talk about skills. Okay. Like, okay, Daniel Oturu, good shooter, really good first step for, for a big man, yeah. right, to be able to drive to the basket. Doesn't have any post moves, right? Only goes to his right hand. Only Left goes to his right, right hand. hand. He's, his body is kind of out of control. I mean, it, it look, to me, it looks like an 18-year-old who you go, oh, with some coaching. Right. If you gave him two years of coaching in college – He'd, you know, he'd be good. I think, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think Daniel Oturu was coached well at, at the college level or, or lacked player development or something, because I think you're, you're, 
they had this like pretty awesome ball of clay who who has can produce on like talent alone but he just looks to me like a kid who has not been in the gym working with somebody on his footwork working on on precision and and his body control and those sort of things like yeah he naturally has a a, a stroke but i don't feel like he's i feel like he's going to be a guy who needs time in the nba to get to get coached up a bit right i guess the the counterpoint i would make to that is he's never shot threes before he didn't shoot threes in high school at creighton he took two threes his whole freshman year okay and he took 50 something this year I so mean 37% of them yeah so the arg- the counter argument to your point is he has improved and and, and the he numbers was coached up and, as a and the numbers will say or yeah. and then i mean to counter my point would be that <laughs> minnesota just didn't have any other options yeah and so and he had to almost he had to do everything because he was Clearly their best player. Okay, so so let me go back to the Okongu cop. Okongu is really highly regarded in this class because he does seem to have a really good athletic profile, and he really produced, right? Right. As, as a freshman at USC. He's, if you, in the half court, 97th percentile in production for, for Synergy. Post up, 94th percentile. Putbacks, 90th percentile. Pick and roll roll man, 78th percentile. Like, yeah. he was extremely productive. But, dude, so is Daniel Oturu. Right. Like, Daniel Oturu, uh, he was 90th percentile in the half court. At, they didn't run transition very much, but in the, in the few possessions that he did, 97th percentile there, 78th percentile in post-up situations, 86th percentile in, uh, in spot-up situations, 78th percentile in putbacks, and, and 72nd percentile in isolations. Daniel Oturu was just as productive right. of a college player this year as Okongu was, and like maybe to your point, yeah, he's got another year on him, but but I don't know. Like how mu- I guess that's the question with Okongu is how much of the how much of this top five ranking is about them looking at his body rather than his like body of work. Yeah, because we I, we would both agree that he's more of a physically imposing player for sure. Okongu, that is. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be. I mean, that's the main difference right there is that he's just he moves better. Daniel True Minnesota didn't switch anything defensively so Oturu pretty much only guarded on the post so defensively I think the verdict is still out whether or not he can guard when teams go five out Okangu proved it game after game the way they switched he played the four a lot so he just was guarding Mm -hmm. fours who were on the perimeter Um, so I think that's the one thing defensively is Okangu proved it and he can slide his feet that he can stay in front of guards Um, and Oturu we, we don't I thought his post defense was actually really good. I really liked how it he was, competed. It was probably the biggest surprise to me. Yeah. Um, I watched him in high school. We have a big Cretan alum connection. So we went to a lot of Cretan games. Um, then you hear about his offense. He's the only guy in college basketball to average like 20 and 11 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But when I really s- sat down and watched him, it was the post defense that that think about that Iowa game. Yeah, when they had a bunch of games. I mean, yeah. he's just like no, no, no. I I I saw it in a lot, a bunch of games too. But Luke Garza's yeah, Luke like, Garza. He did. He was arguably the best guy he had to guard this year, and he yeah. did really well. And Garza's like a seven foot, like all first team All American in college. Brick, yeah, yes. who was just trying to post you yes. up every time, and that that really stood out to me because that was I was kind of picking up on it right away. I'm like, okay, yeah this is going to be a process for a tour to work on. Like he's, he needs to sit down more defensively. Like he needs to, he's going to need to work on his footwork again. Not that he doesn't have the athletic profile to do it. It's just sloppy again. Like yeah. he has to guard centers. Like, yeah. He's, he's not going to be, 
no but that's what I'm saying. It was good that yes. I, I saw him there. I was I was getting concerned, and I'm like, okay, the footwork isn't there to be able to defend on the perimeter, but but he does he does seem like he's going to be able to handle his own in the post. Yes, which is that's what we were so concerned about with Obi Toppin. We're like, all right, the footwork isn't there. Like, that's not that big of a deal, you know, if you're going to be playing the five. But then what we were concerned about Toppin is he's getting mashed in the post yeah. over and over, and and Otour wasn't. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think. So he's not going to be a versatile defender in the NBA. He's going to have to guard centers who play primarily on the block. Did For you sure. Agree with that? You know, I, I mean, yeah, he did in college. I, again, and I, we haven't seen it. And the fact that yeah, Minnesota yeah, yeah. didn't switch anything, or they never once like, I guess in the Big Ten it's a little bit different because most teams in the Big Ten play a center that has their back to the basket. Okay, th- he, let me let me ask you a question because I think this is inform is going to inform everything. Like, how much can he be developed? Like, I. Defensively? I, overall, like to me, watching Daniel Oturu, there's so much sloppiness that I feel like there's so much room for him to be developed if he gets in a good program with a good right. player development coach and those sort of things. So I guess because I'm thinking about it like that, that's why I'm not ruling out him being able to guard force or switch on to a wing here then because I just, to me, he doesn't look like he was coached to be able to do that. Yeah. I do think, though, that like lateral quickness is like, yeah. One of the few things that you're just – it is who you are. Like, it's just right. you're not – you might get smarter and, and learn angles differently and, and improve that way. But as far as just being able to, like, stay in front of guys, mm-hmm. I – in my experience, I just don't know if that's, like, a switch you can, like, get, you know. Okay, so on. so let's say he can only defend fives. Let's say Which that. Which I think is oh, – That's at least a starting point. Yes. Which I think for this first three or four years is it's what fine. it's going to yeah. look like. Right. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, do you think he's – what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he – so I'll do, do, my, do my size thing yeah. here, my size comparison. It's taken you a while. I, to get to these. Um, I mean, when we're in the league – so he's six foot ten. Him and Zeke are basically the exact same height. Yep. Six foot ten, seven foot – this is Oturu. Six foot ten, seven foot two, 240 pounds. Zeke Naji is six eleven, seven one, two forty. So, you know, functionally the same sort of thing. Those guys, that's like – I know you're big Duke guy, like Harry Giles. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. And I think, you know, when, when Harry Giles was coming out, we're more thinking a power forward, right? Yeah. But then, you know, as, as, time, as time goes on and the league kind of develop further, develops further and further, Giles hasn't necessarily showcased being a real threat from the perimeter. Like, those guys are more so fives. So that's what I'm thinking. It's like Harry Giles, DJ Wilson on the Bucks is, is that size – Marquise Chris, uh, De- remember Deontay Davis from Michigan State? Yeah. Like, I think Deont- that's that's like a downside comparison for, for both Zeke and Oturu, like with pretty productive – or, you know, Big Ten, I guess not that productive. But, but you know, just kind of fizzles out in, in the league after a short amount of time. But Rashawn Holmes is, is, is that way too – which is just the classic sort of rim roller. We've talked a lot about Rashad. <laughs> More than I love Rashad. <laughs> I so I bought to put it with everyone. Bobby Portis. Okay. Um, uh, he he was another one there. I think Bobby Portis is like a decent Oturu sort of comp in in that sort of way, like developing a, a perimeter game while while kind of lacking a little bit of body control. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is these are guys who we would have thought of as fours, even five years ago for sure, ten years ago, but now. They more have the physical profile where they're playing center in the NBA. And I think what I do is if, if, if I'm not sure, I kind of always just tend to just say five. If we right. have to have the conversation, mm-hmm. the way the NBA and basketball is going, right. if you're in between, let's just assume you're a five. Well, that's what I was 
on really hard last week when we were talking about Patrick Williams. Yeah. And he was is way smaller than yeah. – You, know, you than don't think he's guys. a shooting guard like ESPN had him listed? <laughs> Dude, I – that has been the weirdest part of all this. I don't under yeah. I, I don't I don't understand that at all. But but yeah, so so I'm I'm looking at Oturu as as a, a guy who comes in um, immediately and he's he's your bench five. I think the question is how do you use him? Like what yes. what role do you put Daniel Oturu in so next year? When I was wa- especially on offense, when I was watching him, I kept coming back to what is he going to look like when the offense isn't ran through him exactly. every single possession? Because Minnesota didn't have a great year. They were below 500, and he was, like, he was their guy. And he had an unbelievable season. Yep. But what does it look like when it's the team, when he's just kind of like another guy? Yep. Can he play in that role? I think that's the biggest question with him. Well, and that's why, again, his college tape isn't going to help that much because – like, is he a good enough shooter to be, like, a pick-and-pop five? Or is he a good enough defender where he's – like, I think if you're going to be a bench player, you probably need to specialize in one thing. Yes. And – What is that? That's – I think that's what you need to figure out with him. Because they posted him up all the time, not because he had post moves, but just because he was the more The best athletic. player. It's like, let's yeah. give our best player the ball in a position to I made a bunch of just weird, like, setting back screens and stuff for him in the mid-range so he could sprint over the block and seal his guy. Yeah. And – that was like, like their pretty much their whole offense was pretty, get him on the block or from ten to twelve feet, which for a, two reasons will never ever happen in the NBA. One, post ups rarely happen in the NBA. Two, when he's got a legit five on him in the NBA, he's going to need to like pivot and get to a jump hook. I didn't see him take a single like clean power dribble, explode up like. Again, that's what I'm talking about. Like, did, was this not coached the whole time? They're like, "Oh no, Daniel, just go, just go through the guy and try and get buckets." Like he did because he's big and physical and all those sort of things. But I just think you almost have to wash all of that out, right? And I think you hope you can take like pieces of that and turn that into a dunker spot role. I think right away, um, and then and then because he does seem to have like a decent stroke. You slide, you know, dunker spot extended to the corner, and he's kind of he's kind of that sort of option for you know for for your second unit, and then kind of I think you take the a year, two years, three years to see, okay, we gotta like get his body under control, not get him flailing everywhere. Let's let's get him to get that catch at the top of the key, and it's like decisive one two. I'm driving, I'm getting that first step next, like past the guy. I feel like I, I watched him and. <laughs> He would, he would pump fake, then jab step, then go. It's like, no, dude, you, you jab step first, <laughs> then you pump fake. But it worked, though. The it, thing is, it, it worked. I know, but it's a big 10. That's yeah. why. That's why. Like, and I, 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 to be clear, I like Daniel Latour. He is going to be, when I make a, like, a board, it's going to be way higher than. Will he be in the first round? Yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I mean, I, I haven't, I, yeah, we've only I haven't watched half. everyone, but, but I think that, that's a. You know, another thing I wanted to get to is this. Now we're looking at a couple of guys who, again, I said Kevin O'Connor has has Zeke forty second, Oturu forty fourth, and I see very little difference in in both of them. Even in a guy in Zeke who I'm not as high on, who's that different than some of the other dudes we've been watching who might be late lottery picks, particularly in the big division. So, again, you know, this was the confirmation for me where we're like, okay, yes, this draft lacks high end talent. But it's really going to be a grab bag it's in the a middle. Crab shoot. And I wonder if, um, or it's just it's just kind of thick in the middle. It like, is. There's so options. Ha- 
and I, the other thing I kept coming back to is, had you not looked at any mock drafts or anything, yeah. like, obviously you say, like, I just want to form my own opinions, but the yeah, ringer point, and I've other, seen it, other yeah. mocks, it does, it does impact how you view these guys. Daniel Aturu, if I hadn't seen anything, if I'm being honest with you, he would be a lottery pick in my head. You think so? For me, it would. And I know I know, because you and I have talked about him before that he wouldn't for you. But Not a lottery pick. I just think his – like, we've the what we've said about him – if I'm taking a guy in the lottery, I want a ceiling. That's I'm talking higher. late lottery. I'm talking yeah. like – like would probably come up be like 14th or something. But the question I was going to ask you, if you had never seen a mock draft or any rankings and you watched an hour of Okongwu and you watched yeah. an hour of Daniel Oturu, would in your mind would you have a clear cut, this guy's better than the other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have Okongwu for sure because I think – Okongwu, but significantly, you think like my point is no, no, it's a lot closer than a lot of the mock yes, drafts. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. For sure, a lot closer. Which I guess comes back to the point that I don't think taking a big guy that early, yeah, in this draft or may, most drafts is right. So maybe now I'm like overcorrecting by saying lottery, right. but when the reality is, is just they should probably, but like Okongwu should slide down a bit from where the perception has been, and and Oturu should slide up. I'm just saying. So I, I was looking at it, and it's like, all right talk about this from a Wolves perspective, just, just money-wise. Like, they got, the, they got the third pick, the 16th pick, and the 33rd pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, when we were ripping on a Congo before, we are like, well, if they get the third pick, you got to pay him $35 million over the next four years. Well, you look at, you look at Carson Edwards was the 33rd overall pick last year. You know, the cap's going to basically, you know, it's not going to go up. We know right. that. So you're looking at Carson, Carson Edwards' contract, and here I got pulled up right here. It's, he's making 1.2 this year, 1.5 next year, 1.7 the year after that, 1.9. You're talking a guy on the minimum for four years at the 33rd pick. Like, absolutely give me Daniel Oturu for that amount over. Yeah. Know. Like, and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you can just replaceable. You can get centers. You can go out and get a center for mid-level exception, like nine million bucks. Well, you might you – lock, you lock in a guy who can be a backup center. Right. For a million, million and a half a year for the next four years. And I think Oturu, again – I'm very curious to see – part of my opinion comes from the fact that, again, I don't think he was coached up whatsoever at, at the college level and that there's – I'm really interested to see what he looks like at the, at the NBA level, and I'm interested, I'm interested to see, like, where that shot goes. Yeah. He wasn't shooting a lot of threes. He shot, like, two threes a game. Like, why not? Right. Why, why wasn't there more? Like, I, I just think there's so much upside for, a, like, a minimum salary if we're talking about a guy who's a late first-round pick, early second-round And round we've pick. already seen the Wolves have what happens if you overpay for a backup center. It kind of handcuffs you, right? Totally. Like, with Particularly Gorgie. with Cat. Yeah. Like, if you already got Cat. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, I think we've seen it with Gorgie. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Gorgie isn't good or valuable, but sure. to pay a guy that much money to play to back <laughs> up your best player. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The reason I'm – uh, the reason to be optimistic about Oturu is, as far as offense goes, like I said, he never shot threes in high school. He didn't shoot threes his his freshman year. So this is like the first time in his basketball life yeah. that he took threes. And he shot it at a pretty good rate, and it looked What'd pretty you, good. So I if he makes it, another jump. I liked jump, the stroke a lot. Did you like the stroke I liked, a lot? Out of the, five. Out of the three bigs between Zeke, Okongwu, who we've talked about. and Okongwu has and, no jump shot. So yeah. And Oturu. <laughs> yeah. Oturu, I think, has by far the best. By that, far. That's not like a – yeah, <laughs> hot take. I think it's pretty yeah. obvious, but yeah. I think think about like bat, like it's the first year he's ever shot threes. Yeah. So if he makes another small jump and then another small jump, like by the time he's 24, 25, he might be a very reliable 
three-point shooter. Totally. And it's going to depend, can you play defense well enough to stay on the court? And do you remember when we were, we were talking, um, again, on one of, the, one of the previous pods, and I was, I was going through, remember, like, at the list of, like, quote-unquote shooters who have been drafted mm-hmm. over the past five years, and it was funny. I had to, like, I would, like, Cat's <laughs> name would come up, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, add him to the list of a shooter who's been drafted a lot. I was like, oh, wait, no, he wasn't a shooter. He shot two threes yeah. in college. Or, like, Trey Lyles or Frank Kaminsky right. or, like, dudes like that. Those guys didn't shoot any threes at all at the college level, and now well, think I mean, back. Think back to that state championship game when when he played against Trey against Apple Valley in twenty right. was that twenty eighteen? Yeah. And think about if if somebody were like, yeah, in two years you're going to be talking about him in the NBA as a three point shooter. You can we ju- can we just talk about that game? Yeah, because you were you were at that. I right? was at the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, so I've only I wrote a couple of stories on Trey like that year. So I basically all the his big games I went to and 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 covered. So it was like it was literally like the first high school game I'd ever covered at like at Target Center or doing like the interviews and stuff afterwards and freaking Daniel Oturu won the state championship on a tip dunk. Yeah, it was it was one of the best basketball games I've ever yeah. seen. Absolutely easily up there for yeah. me. Like he but but yeah to your point is his evolution in that game as a high schooler and as a dominant high school player, he was just a center who was he was dominant more he was imposing. dominant but I think even the people who liked him the most, who thought he was the yeah. best, would have thought you were crazy if in two years you'd be <laughs> like, yeah, he'd be, we'd be talking about him maybe as a lottery pick. Yeah. I think most people would be like, "That's well, there's no chance. I mean, I, you and I got together to watch the Vikings playoff game. And, and we were sitting around, it was halftime or something, and we're like, hey, let's, we haven't looked at the NBA draft. Let's pull up a mock draft. He was and, like sixth. And sixth. he was like sixth on NBADraft.net. And, and we were both like, and, yeah, we're both like, no way, Daniel Oturu, and and we you know we were going like well, this guy isn't listed, this guy isn't listed, this guy isn't listed, and like it's funny because we were ripping, I mean not like ripping on him, but we're like okay, let's like pump the brakes, lottery pick, and you know when you hear Minnesota basketball, you're like yeah 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 you're they, right, they haven't had a first round pick in 20 years, so you're kind of just like that's not <laughs> like it just doesn't happen here, right right, and and you know I for you had wa- actually watched him, but I was like. You know, I hadn't had a watch much of him, but I was very skeptical. But so, so I, what I'm trying to say is, I'm coming into watching this film of him this week, of like, all right, probably overrated Minnesota guy yeah. because all my, you know, all that's of, the Minnesota sports fan. Yeah, 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 right, right. Like, there's and, no way he can be good. He's from Minnesota. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, that game against Maryland, dude. Mm-hmm. He was a beast. Yeah. Did you watch beast. the end of that game? Yeah, that was not – he was. <laughs> he was good. <laughs> he was the – If you haven't watched that game, go watch the last, like, five minutes and explain to me how Minnesota did that. That's what I'm saying, and I know, like, <laughs> you don't have to. Daniel Oturu was held back in college. Daniel Oturu was held back in college. That, that's my opinion on this situation, and, and I think – and all guys, when they come into the league, are going to get a lot more focus um, – on them and, and their player development. And I just think there's something to be developed. How would you have used him differently than Minnesota did? Uh, running occasionally. He had 23 possessions in transition. Yeah. The, the whole – okay, so 3.9% of his possessions were, <laughs> were in transition. Obi Toppin, 18.1. Well, Even Okongwu, which is low, they were also like slow power forward center team, 10.6. Can I play devil's advocate to the transition point? Sure. I'm Big Ten is slow. Back. Big Ten is slow basketball. There's not a lot. Okay. Of, Minnesota didn't stop anybody. They didn't, <laughs> I mean, they didn't like. They, I'm serious though. Like, if you get yeah. scored on, it's hard to get. Yeah, run I, in transition. 
three okay. percent is low, but I'm just three percent. I'm just pointing out some. Other no, no, no. You're right. To transition, I'm just also talking about they would come down and they would go. It'd be car would be dribbling up at the top, and it would be like, all right, let's have three or four other guys like be setting screen. I mean, it was like. They didn't play in transition, and they played slow as hell yeah. in the half court. And and so that's what I'm saying. That I, I would – again, I want to see him play in a, on a second unit in the NBA that played faster and, and you know, see if, see if he could. If that, if that is his call, if he, if he is that type of athlete who, you know, is just going to be able to get in a, a fast group and, and outrun you, outwork you, I think he was – I could really see him being like a – a strong offensive rebounder who's who's grabbing boards. He is and a good rebounder. Back. Yeah, like I, I, think I think it's important to note, like he ever like to average twenty and eleven in college basketball yeah. is if for anybody who just mainly focuses on the NBA, they hear that and they're like, a lot of guys do that. Right. But in college basketball, it's not common at all. I, like twenty and eleven, like the equivalent of the NBA is I, like fifteen and eight or something. Like at college or less. No, than that? more than that. Oh, in college, yeah, you're yeah, saying, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know how. To, probably, but he was the only <laughs> one in the country to do it. Yeah. No. So I don't know. It's. I think I'm higher on him than you. I yeah. I mean, it's important. To, like, I don't think he should be in the lottery. Yeah. I think if a you know if he if a team needed a backup center at like late late first, I the wolf. I mean, if he fell to 33 and the wolves had yeah. that pick, I think. That'd be a great spot. For right. Him. And I, I'm talking about it from kind of an overall prospect sort of situation rather than the Wolves specific. Because, like, if I'm the Wolves, I'm, I don't know, I, I'm not drafting a guy who I, unless I think they can play next to Cat in the front court. Right. With three or 16. So, right. so from a Wolves perspective, I'm hoping I would be excited for them to draft him at 33. Which or, I think is actually, it's possible for sure. And dude, there's, there's no player we should rule out in any draft range because, one, if the Wolves have 33, they could trade something up to mm-hmm. get to 24 if they right. needed to do that. Like, they're going to be active. Or they could trade back from 16 to 26 or whatever it is. Like, so, so I don't feel like these guys are irrelevant for us to look at from a Wolves perspective. But also it's like, you know, odds are they, <laughs> they, don't wind, you know, they don't wind up on the Wolves. And they're, you know, they're, they're these – they're guys trying to make it in the at the next level as big men in a league that is doing everything it can to kind of not everything it can but pu- is really pushing out big men in the league and um, and I think Zeke is kind of more the type archetype of big that is getting pushed out a little bit more and maybe that's just because I'm overreacting to the fact that he only shot 17 threes and made five of them right and I'm over labeling it in that sort of way. But but he's a little bit more what? traditional, physical, four or five guy at the college level, trying to out outwork you, outstrength mm-hmm. you more than out finesse you. Is I think that's take? fair. Yeah, and I think he. We talked about Ed with Oturu. It's we're gonna, we're going to be interested to see what it looks like when a team doesn't run everything through him. Mm-hmm. The reason that I liked Zeke a lot was because he was playing with two other first round picks with Nico Mannion mm-hmm. and. Josh Green. Josh Green. I'm blanking yeah. on his name. Um, so he's used to kind of being the, the energy guy who, like, knows that those guys are going to take right. a bunch of shots and he's going to set screens and rebound. And he still found a way to be the team's leading scorer, leading rebounder. Yep. So I'm, I'm less worried with Zeke about how he's just going to fit into a team because sure. he had his freshman year at Arizona playing with two other first-round picks. But do you see him in, in that fitting in 
is it ever fitting in in a starting role, or is it more in a backup role? And maybe, maybe I mean, that's the, too the far knock ahead. on him is I don't think he's going to ever be a reliable three point shooter. I think his mid range jumper looks fine; it's serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, I'm not going to ever rule out somebody from yeah the way true. the NBA is going. Like, that's true. So, so so I don't know. I yeah. If if here's here's my player comp for him uh, because of his because he again. He's 6'11", 7'1", 240, and he, this is a 19-year-old. He's physically imposing. And I saw, like, a lot of DeMontis Sabonis in his game, and maybe that's jumping, again, a lot on the fact that Sabonis all-star. is who's an all-star. Yeah, Eastern Conference, but an all-star, um, who isn't shooting a lot of threes, but, like, Sabonis and Brogdon together, like, worked mm-hmm. people, worked people in the pick and roll this year. And I'd like to see more of that out of Zeke, but I'm kind of talking about, like, the – the end of the pick and roll action, you know, the, the kind of the catching it on the roll, a power trouble, you know, powering through finishing because he did a really good job of finishing through multiple defenders. And he and plays so hard. Plays so hard, and he's and again, two forty and strong for both of these guys. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're they're strong at nineteen years old for for the both of them. People that I've talked to, I so I know Zeke's AAU coach is a good friend of mine. So okay. I don't know Zeke, but I've been around him and seen him practice and. He is, like, as hardworking. And I don't know what this means. I think it's, gonna, it's mm-hmm. better, you know, it's going to translate well, but I don't know if it's going to mean he's going to be good. But he works as hard as anybody I've ever seen. Sure. Um, and I think he's going to accept a role. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to Oturu, it's going to be hard for, get, you know, getting 20 shots a game That's a good to, point. To, to playing however many minutes he's going to play his rookie year. It's going to be a major adjustment. Where Zeke, I think, is going to be – perfectly content with hmm. playing 15 minutes a game off the bench because that's right. kind of, that was kind of his role at Arizona. Granted, I know he was their, their leading scorer and, and played a ton, but, like, he's got that mentality where he's going to do whatever it takes to get on the floor. And I what – was, What was Zeke's role on that AAU team? Or who were the guys – was it a Minnesota team? Yeah, so he played – he played with, like, Matthew Hurt. Okay. And Trey was not on – or Trey was a year older, so it was not Trey – Trying to think, but Terry, Her, was Tyrell Terry on? Tyrell Terry, Terry yeah. Zeke, a couple guys played up who are mm-hmm. going to be in their freshman year now. So I, I think to that point, so like, he's played with really, he's been around. I, I know really that. Good guys. I mean, if he's, he's, he's playing next to Matthew Hurt like, and, and Tyrell, Ter- yeah, yeah, you're playing more of a, you're playing even yes. at the AAU level. You're not like the guy. He yeah. wasn't the, the guy on that team. I would assume. No, just from those names. Right, and I think it's funny that Matthew Hurt's not in this draft, and I think <laughs> at this time last year, yeah. if, if I would have said, hey, one guy's going to be in the first round, the other guy's going to stay in school, right. I think 10 out of 10 people would say, yeah, Hurt's going to be the first-round pick and Zeke's right. going to go back for his sophomore year. And the fact that those roles are flipped is kind of crazy. What? Okay, so so what did Zeke do to become a guy who was a one-and-done? I think he did everything that he did in – in high school in AAU, I think yeah. he busted his butt. No, I'm not. I, sorry, I don't. I don't. I'm no, not, I don't say that. I'm not I'm saying, saying that. Like I think his game just. I'm just I think his game just translated his the mm-hmm. his the role, role in high school did not really change in college, and he was really good at it. He yeah. rebounded like crazy. He played good defense. He did everything he was asked to do, and it right. translated to him being the Pac-12 freshman of the year. And and it's somewhat easy to chart a path that. That's, you can kind of copy and paste that on. Correct. The NBA so there's no reason to, for uh, me initially. to. There's no reason for me to believe it's not going to translate at the NBA. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a star because I think he's limited shooting the ball, and I think he's limited as far as a playmaker goes. At least for now. Yeah. But I think he's going to be a good defender. I think he's going to be a good rebounder. And so I think you can plug that into almost any team in the NBA. 
I think the the um, the defense to me, from what I watched, was was a little bit more questionable. Um, again, if it's a guy who's going to be playing the five, we have to talk about it in the sense of, all right, just because he can't get out, like can't get out and move his feet against a one. Doesn't mean you're a bad defender. Isn't that right? funny? That's how we knock centers. Like, yeah. they can't guard a 6'3 guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> Sean Bradley led the league in blocks yeah. in 1999, but like one of the best defenders in the yeah. league. But how would Sean Bradley do against right. <laughs> Kyrie? Right. No. Yeah. So, so I, but, but I mean, that that's what, again, to bring up a Kongwu, he can. Like, he's a guy who can seamlessly, you know, switch and probably at some point in his career is going to be able to defend one to five. Yeah. Um, you know, at least in bits and pieces, and I don't think I don't think Zeke, okay, from what I watched defensively, is going to be able to do that. Um, I think he's someone who relies a little bit more on brute force defensively mm-hmm. than he does on finesse, and I think that's fine. I think that could be that could be really helpful um, on a team, particularly if you're like. And I think we say that, and I think it's important to remember that there's a lot of really good centers in the NBA who also can't guard perimeter players. Do you uh, know what I mean? So yeah, like, like I, most it, of them. <laughs> exactly. So we yeah. say that, and it feels like a knock. It feels yeah. like we're not sure about him, but the reality is <laughs> he's not alone once he gets to the NBA. No, it, it, that's, that's the norm. Yes. That, that, that's the norm. I mean, I, I guess I'm saying that just to, like, I, I want to say that he could be, we could, refer to him as a good defender and him also not be able to do everything. Yes. And that's, I think that's the reality of the situation. And like, I mean, let's not draft him. He can't guard every single person <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> yeah. But, but I do think that's part of the reason that he is pushed back in some of these mock drafts and some of these big boards is that if um, everything goes well for Dan, for Oturu and, and Zeke, who do you think is better? Oturu and it's not close. And if thing, I would agree. Who would you, and do you think Zeke is safer? Like, do you think? Oh yeah, Zeke? I think Zeke can play next year. And so I, we agree. We agree. Yeah, on both it's those. like it's like uh, you were talking about Patrick Williams last week, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Patrick Williams is going to come in and be part of somebody's rotation next year, and like for sure be a minus. Like, yeah, day one, you know, year one, which is again normal for a rookie. And I think Daniel Tour is going to have some of that too. But with, but with both of them, I think again with with some coaching and some say, hey, we're doing we're doing. Step one right now, we're doing step two next year, we're doing step three next year. I think I think step three to me with Daniel Latour, as it is with Patrick Williams, is really interesting. Right. Um, Zeke, I'm assuming step one, two, and three all look pretty similar. Yeah. And I'd be less worried about Zeke. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. So so maybe you're a team. Kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, and it, it sounds like mock-wise, mock uh, he – in uh, in Vicini's on the ringer, they he actually had in a mock draft has Zeke going twenty first and Oturu going thirty thirty first, and so I think with Zeke, that's where I would have him. But if, yeah, and 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 if he does that, he's he's joining a good team, right? Yes, like he's joining and Oturu's joining the the, the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so uh, yeah, I, I I could see a team like the Bucks or, or mm-hmm. somebody you know like where he's asked to do two things. Rebound and, and hustle. Which, th- just for me, in general, that's my opinion on the best way to approach a rookie. It just, like... It's like your men's league game, kind of. Rebound and hustle. <laughs> I'm retired. <laughs> um, I want to I tell my Zeke Naji Steve Kerr story, because I was thinking about that after uh, the last dance, what you wanted to talk about, but I said we got plenty of last dance. I didn't want to talk about <laughs> No, no. It's, I, I thought that Steve Kerr part of the last dance, though, was sweet. I had no idea about the whole. With you his had no dad. idea. Oh man, dude, 
Yeah. It would now make sense because he's been very vocal with gun violence too, and I didn't mm-hmm. really, for whatever reason, there's right. a bunch of things in the doc that I just didn't. Yeah, no, it think just didn't I come knew. across your desk. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I, I thought that was like he definitely that. won a lot of people over. He was a likable guy for sure to begin yeah. with, but I think most people, yeah, like him more after watching the doc. Well, I, I actually told you, I told you the story last week, but it, but I think it's cool and, and relevant to both Zeke Nagy and and to the Last Dance. Is it was like my very first year on uh, on the Wolves beat, and uh, the the Golden State Warriors are in town, and so so at this point, like I've been around NBA players, but it's like, shit, it's like Warriors. it's the Warriors, you know, and and they're here for shoot around, and I'm like, well, for sure, gonna go to that, and you know, watch you know watch their shoot around or whatever, and we get to interview Steve Kerr afterwards, and. Like, I don't know, people just ask the, the normal questions. But then he kind of, like, stands for a second to, like, to talk to us, which is very rare. Most times coaches do their media and then just dip out. And uh, and Darren Wolfson, like, mentions to him, he's like, oh, Steve, like, Steve Kerr went to Arizona. He's like, local kid Zeke Naji just signed with uh, just signed with Arizona this week. And, uh, and, and Steve's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. I've been trying to, like, trying to learn more about him. And uh, – and Wilson's like, oh, talk to Dane. Dane went to Hopkins. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't about watching high school basketball. Like, I don't. I don't know anything at all. And he's like, oh, oh. He's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, so I just kind of make something up. I'm like, yeah. Should have been like, yeah. Big. Zeke backed me up when I was. <laughs> yeah, I'm 19. <laughs> no, but it was funny. I just kind of made something up. But then I was just sitting there watching the the Warriors practice, or that you know they're just kind of it's shoot runs done and they're just doing like shooting contests together and um i'm just like sitting at courtside watching it like this is freaking sweet like mm-hmm. steph curry clay thompson andre Godot, whatever like and i'm just sitting there there myself and steve Kerr is just walking at me <laughs> i'm like oh like what did i do what did i do it's just like steve Kerr, and he just comes and sits next to me <laughs> i'm like hey steve kerr <laughs> And he and he's like, himself. Yeah, I, I know who you are. <laughs> I don't think I, I hope I didn't say that. Um, but he was like, he's like, hey, so you know, can you tell me more about this Nashi kid? And I'm like, dude, actually, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> like, I've, you should have totally made. I should have just totally. I should have done this this whole yeah. draft profile out of. But but I, I was thinking about that a lot um, on Sunday night when you know it was the last episode of the Last Dance, and then on Monday I started watching. Zeke Nagy film and I'm like this is this is my uh my world's got so my, my point is with the Steve Kerr is he is from a media perspective from me um been one of the most like normal dudes ever mm-hmm. to interact with there's other good coach coaches who are like like Billy Donovan like he'll just talk hoops with you like the in in like the scrum setting like you ask him stuff you know he won't hold anything back like he's really cool but Steve Kerr is just like I don't know I guess my, my point is is the the perception is true. He's just like a normal guy yeah. and a good, you know, and a good dude. Who just the amount of stuff that he's seen and been around, and as, as basketball goes, being on the Bulls, the Spurs, and the war, like, it, he has his unique five pers- rings, five rings, right? As, as a, a player and three as a coach, right? Three as a coach. Or no, it was, was it six rings? No, no, it's five because it's three at the Bulls, two at the Spurs. I okay. I saw okay. I saw some tweet on this. Plus, he has the best three point percentage in NBA history. No way. Yes, yes, like. That's yeah. So he's got you right. He's got five as a player. I mean, yeah. I, but I, I think like wait. So he left after the Bulls. He went to the Spurs and won it the next year. Yeah. So he won in ninety nine and then yes. 03. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he had a and he was like on the, those good Cleveland teams like back before like his, his probably like winning percentage 
It's got to be. <laughs> which, which, think about this year, where they went like 15 and 55. He's ne- at, like, he hasn't lost 55 games his whole life. Like, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that would have been a – yeah, that's, I don't know. Yeah, in, in experience. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have anything else on so, – uh, so, to finish on Zeke so and you're, Oturu. So, you would take – I would take Oturu over Zeke. Okay, so we differ there. I would take Zeke. Okay. Um, what if I said it's the 16th pick? <laughs> like, now we're betting a little bit more on him. Would you t- still take Zeke? And and I guess go through the Wolves lines too. Would you take? I mean, I I just I just said I think that Oturu has higher upside. So at sixteen, from the Wolves standpoint, I would probably take Oturu because, again, I'm gonna say this on every single one of these. I think when you're <laughs> as bad as the Wolves, and that's this isn't just the Wolves, but mm-hmm. when you're a team that needs something, you you need to hit a home run. Yeah. So you take the guy with higher upside, and if he's a, if he doesn't pan out, it's like okay, well we tried. It's better right. than taking the guy who's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the sixth man on a bad team or the seventh man on a good team. Like, it's just take the, yep. take a flyer. Um, so, from the Wolves' perspective, I would probably change my mind if I was just – If you're just putting a list together of your big board. Correct. Of how you think players are going to do just – I don't mean to, like, yeah. talk out of both sides of my mouth there. No, no, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, think, that, I think that totally makes sense. And, I, honestly, it would – that's probably closer to where I would be too. But, again, I, I, I was surprised um, – Watching Oturu, that I really liked him. Um, I don't, I don't watch the Gophers, you know, during the year, and and I think there's just a lot to be encouraged with with a six ten kid, mm-hmm. a seven two wingspan, two forty, who competes, really competes defensively, which was encouraging, yeah. even if his feet are slow and sloppy. And then he's got a stroke. Yeah. He's got a stroke and a quick first step. And he's it's improved like, so much in two years. It's, it, it gives you reason to believe he's going to do it again. And I'm then, just saying, okay, this is hyperbole. So, like, disclaimer out there. But that's what, that's what Pascal Siakam looked like, like, the first year in the league with yeah. the Raptors. And, and everyone was like, why the f- are the, like, Raptors starting Pascal Siakam at the four? And he developed, and he was in, a, in the best player development system in the whole NBA in, in Toronto with really good coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and he developed a game because he had the physical tool set of that <laughs> of that of that first step and and was able to and was able to really grow into something special. I think he's a better athlete than a tour to some degree, but I just don't I think there's there's just a lot more that could come from a tour. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, I, I don't have any objections <laughs> to that. I know I I yeah. I think you're spot on. Cool. Um, all right, so I think we're going to start doing these a little bit quicker, get, get through them so we can get through a few more of these players. Uh, we I Thank you for everyone who reached out with LaMelo Ball suggestions. It was kind of a busy week, so did not get the chance to watch those. I just feel like let's not do LaMelo Ball until we've actually had the chance right. to, really, you know, to really watch him. Yeah. And the draft is many months away, so, like, sorry if it ends up being a month from now. Like, I would rather actually dive into him than just, like, watch – Eight-minute YouTube clips. Exactly, exactly, and it, it sucks that we don't, don't have synergy on him. So, who are uh, are we going to do the Minnesota guards next week? Trey and Tyrell Terry. I love it. Let's do that. Cool. And and that'll be the next step, which I think will kind of kind of cool that kind of cool that four Minnesota guys are Crazy, are man. potentially first round picks. Yeah. Um, and then McKinley Wright's probably you know a second round guy. Uh, five Minnesota guys. Five Minnesota guys, and not one of them is is hurt. Who could have been in this draft and would have been drafted yeah. too? So, re- really, you could be looking at six guys drafted. And how many of them uh, played for the Gophers? One, <laughs> one. Um, 
but I think no, it's just I think it's it's cool. It kind of gives you a a taste of you, you hear Minnesota basketball getting better yeah, and better, yeah. but it's still maybe viewed as a a hockey state. But like no, the the talent in Minnesota right now is unbelievable, and it's yeah. it's pretty cool to see these guys in the draft. That's a good place to close. That's Wildeberg at WDeberg14 on Twitter. Um, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA. Just want to say thank you to everyone who um, reached out this week. But as I think you can kind of see from uh, today's show, nothing podcast-wise is really going to change. We're going to keep uh, moving along with this thing. Uh, doing the draft, uh, you know, <laughs> once I know more about the Wolves and, and sort of the league where we're going, um, I will pivot into uh, – Get, you know, covering the Wolves actually playing games and also the NBA playoffs with or without the Wolves too. But uh, along the way, there will continue to be these draft prospects sprinkled in because, I don't know, I think, Will, we're both really enjoying it. All. So I'm Dane Moore. That's Will DeBerg at Dane Moore NBA. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.